Sława, welcome to the first episode of Vitya's podcast, uh, Searching for the Slavic Soul. My name is Magda Lewandowska, but I don't expect you to be able to pronounce it, so you can just call me Magda or think of me as the Polish chick who presents Vitya's podcast with a zero skill and thick Polish accent. Um, Vitya, Searching for the Slavic Soul, is an audio version of Vitya's blog, where we, the Vitya's team, are trying to find the essence of everything Slavic. We're trying to clean up the Slavic soul from the layers of Judeo-Christian influences, which accumulated over the last hundreds of years since the first Christian missionaries entered the land of the Slavs. You can check the Vitya's blog at Vitya, which is spelled in Polish way W-I-T-I-A, dot squarespace.com that's w-i-t-i-a dot squarespace.com where you will also find more information about the Vitya project. Today I want to talk about the Slavic faith and try to figure out if what is currently known as Slavic native faith or Rodnoveri it's an actual religion or is just a historical reenactment. Which I think is actually a valid question, considering how the celebrations and ceremonies of modern Rodnoveri look, what modern Rodnovers pray for, and what sacrifices they make to the Slavic gods. So, let's start with what the original Slavic faith looked like and what it was all about. Firstly, uh, the truth is we really don't know. Pretty much everything we currently do as followers of Slavic faith is either taken from chronicles or other historical sources, or from folklore, or from the analysis of the above performed by more or less subjective researchers. The chronicles, or other historical sources, were written by travelers, medieval historians, or missionaries who, obviously, looked at the religion of pre-Christian Slavs through the eyes of an observer. They were influenced by Judeo-Christian or Roman or other foreign non-Slavic tradition. The folklore, the tales, the legends or celebrations are a part of a spoken tradition passed over through generations of Christianized Slavic folk who did their best to keep the Slavic in the Christian, but obviously they were limited by the boundaries created by the ruling religious doctrine. The researchers who analyzed the historical sources and the folklore were and are biased as everyone else who grew up in a world dominated by Judeo-Christian tradition. So basically, a modern Slavic faith is a reconstruction of religion of our ancestors, but a reconstruction based on what people influenced by non-Slavic traditions and religions, some of those people not even knowing a single Slavic language, what those people observed and thought and remembered and passed on for, for long enough so it can still be read and remembered after hundreds of years. So yeah, just an explanation in case any of you wonders why there is so many unknowns in the topic of the faith of our ancestors. Uh, by the way, in this podcast, unless I clearly specify it, when I say our ancestors, I mean pre-Christian Slavs.
But uh, back to the Slavic faith. We don't know much about it. We do know though that it was important for our ancestors. It was important enough to not to give it up, to remember it and to smuggle clearly pagan beliefs into Christianity and make it last for hundreds of years, for long enough for us to see it today. And we are seeing it. More and more Slavs are hungry for pagan. We are hungry for our own religion and morality because, well, it's ours. Why should we use somebody else's religion if we have our own? The problem with modern Slavs going pagan, though, is that we frequently seem to be losing the pagan ideas and instead we are keeping the pagan, let's call it actions. We perform rituals without giving much thought to what was the original purpose of those rituals. What was the idea behind a prayer or a sacrifice? In a way, one could say that what we are doing nowadays is like putting a lab coat on and expecting to become a doctor. But we all hopefully know a white coat does not make anyone a doctor. So throwing some beef in a fire doesn't make anyone a Rodnover or a pagan. But uh, back to the olden days. As I said earlier, we don't know much about the original pre-Christian Slavs, but we know something. We know, for example, that pre-Christian Slavs were not familiar with a concept of codified ritualized religion, which is so typical to Judeo-Christian beliefs, and it's how most of us think about a religion. Pre-Christian Slavs did not have scriptures telling them what to do or how to live their life. Their gods were not omnipresent and omnipotent in a way we, or at least those of us who grew up in Judeo-Christian tradition, we think about gods. The gods of pre-Christian Slavs did not demand fasting, purity of the body or soul or thoughts. They did not control or supervise every aspect of the life of their followers. Why not? Because the Slavic gods had other stuff to do. They were the gods of the land, so they had to control fertility, seasons or weather. Because each god had control over some aspect of the reality, they also had to communicate and work together to keep the natural forces in balance. And because they were the gods of the nature, of the land, not the gods of the people, they just didn't care about Slavs or humans in general. They didn't have so many expectations. They didn't get as easily offended as the Judeo-Christians gods do. Because, you know, Judeo-Christian gods care a lot about, about people. They demand and expect a lot of their followers and they become offended by the smallest things their believers do or don't do, think or don't think, eat or not eat, while Slavic gods didn't really care. They didn't need people to worship them. They were, they, they existed regardless of whether they were worshipped or not. They had stuff to do and they did it regardless of whether they were given sacrifices or offering by humans. So 
because the Slavic gods didn't care about humans as much as Judeo-Christian gods care, our ancestors had to develop a, a reward-based ritual system to get the attention of the gods, to get the gods to take an interest in human problems. Slavic gods were not jealous of each other. They did not need undivided attention or constant prayers, so a worship-based system like the Judeo-Christian one wouldn't work. A Jew, a Roman Catholic, or even a Muslim has to pray to their God all the time, has to fulfill a set of requirements to please the God and through that to get the God's blessing. Slavs had to get their God's attention or blessing in a different way through a valuable sacrifice. A sacrifice, let's not forget, given at the right time, in the right place and in the right way, so the ritual of sacrificing and the purpose of the sacrifice can be seen and heard by the particular God that is supposed to help with weather, with fertility or health or winning a war. So. What I'm basically saying is that a Slav could not just fall down on her or his knees and pray to a god for a blessing, as it's commonly practiced in other religions. Praying like, uh, for example, a Christian would pray would not have worked within a Slavic concept of how gods work. Before any prayer or a sacrifice, a Slav had to know which god to address, how and when. They couldn't, for example, start to pray to Perun, the god of storm and lightning, in the middle of the winter. I mean, they could, but it wouldn't make much sense, because in the middle of the winter, Perun is not really able to listen or to answer any prayers, not in his full power, because he's, he's out of his element, because winter is just not Perun's time. So our ancestors had to be precise in their rituals and prayers. They had to be pragmatic, have realistic expectations, and act in a thoughtful way. Because the powers, the domains of their gods were in a way limited by seasons, by time of the year, or by the nature of the god itself. For example, the gods of the sky did not have much power in matters relating to the underground, or the rulers of death could not interfere with creating life. Another reason why Slavs had to be specific is because the sacrifices pre-Christian Slavs made were of huge value, value high enough to get the attention of Slavic gods. So what did Slavs sacrifice to gods? We could say that they sacrificed life, the life of oxen and other sacrificial animals, sometimes even the life of humans. They also sacrificed food, absolutely necessary to sustain life, and last but not least, they sacrificed beer and mead, both beverages made from edible items like honey or grain, so really we could call them food too. If you were a pre-Christian Slav, it wasn't cheap or easy to gain a god's favor. In the olden times, without refrigerators, supermarkets or internet shopping, an ox, a pig or even chicken were resources necessary to survive winter, drought, flood, or any period of scarcity. 
So it's no wonder then that pre-Christian Slavs sought their gods' help only in the most important problems like fertility of their fields, like good harvest, winning a war, you know, life and death stuff. In smaller problems, it was much easier and cheaper for our ancestors to deal with any issues on their own without the help of the supernatural. Personally, I'm convinced that that was one of the reasons why Slavs were such prolific innovators and early adapters of new technologies. They invented bathhouses that were easy to construct and cheap to run. They um, adapted stirrups, siege weapons. They figured out how to build kick-ass warships, bridges, fortifications. They adapted new agricultural technologies, whatever it took to improve the efficiency and quality of their work so they don't have to rely on the supernatural, so they don't have to kill their precious oxen or cows or chickens. But when our ancestors had to make a sacrifice, they made it in style. They slaughtered the animal, they brought the food and the beer and the mead, and they had a huge feast when they were calling upon their gods, they were inviting the gods to the party and asking the gods to share their powers with the faithful mortal slav in need. What I find particularly well typical for Slavic way of life is that during those feasts, our ancestors actually ate at least some of the food sacrificed to gods. Because, you know, they couldn't let so much good food go to waste. <laughs> well, not really, or at least not only. They ate the sacrifice food because they believed that the sacrifice was saturated by the power of the divine. The food consumed during those feasts didn't only feed the bodies of our ancestors, it also fed their souls. So the feasts with the supernatural were a big part of the sacrificial ritual in the original Slavic faith. Those feasts, like pretty much all the sacrificial rituals, were held in the times of uncertainty. They were held in the hungry gap, the period when the food stored for winter was pretty much gone and the new crop had not come yet. Or the sacrifices were made after the harvest, when all the crop had been collected and that was all. There wasn't any more food coming until the next spring. They also made sacrifices before a war, which by definition is the time of uncertainty. But no matter how much food or other good Slavs had or didn't have, they were willing to sacrifice part of it to their gods and in a way use it up during the feast with the supernatural. The use-up part is very important here because what Slavs sacrificed to their gods was not only food. In medieval times, an ox was not only food. An ox could pull a cart or a plow, a cow could produce calves or give milk, a chicken could lay eggs, and seeds could be used to sow the fields next year. But all of the future potential uses of the food and animals sacrificed to the gods were lost after the sacrifice was made. So here we see the essence of the original Slavic faith was based on a belief that an important resource 
which could be used in the future, like an ox or a cow or seeds, can instead be sacrificed, used completely, here and now, to gain God's attention, to gain God's blessing, to gain their interest, to make the gods temporarily abandon their domain and attend a ritual feast with their believers and to share the divine power with their followers. And what do we, Rodnovers, do in modern time? We throw a piece of meat from Tesco into the fire and call it a sacrifice. We do. I swear. I saw it with my very eyes. I participated in it thinking that this was right. But then I started thinking and I changed my mind. I, I think that what Rodnovers do right now is, is actually historical reenactment. With this piece of beef from a supermarket that barely cost us anything, we symbolically reenact what our ancestor did, but we completely lose the deep meaning that filled the rituals of pre-Christian Slavs. Because most of the time, there really isn't any sacrifice in the sacrificial rituals of modern Rodnovers. Of course, there is nothing wrong with historical reenactment. Uh, quite the opposite, it can be really helpful in promoting Slavic heritage. But a part of promoting Slavic heritage, there is also Slavic faith, Slavic gods, Slavic way of life and way of thinking, which can easily become lost in the very visual, Instagram-friendly manner of the modern Rodnovery movement. So how then should we practice the faith of our ancestors, the faith of pre-Christian Slavs in the 21st century? First of all, we should follow the essence, the core of what our ancestors believed in, instead of reconstructing more or less accurately the things that they did. So let's stop fooling ourselves that Slavic gods who are accustomed to organic, fresh, free-range, quality beef now will suddenly be satisfied with a piece of beef from a supermarket. Let's stop offending the gods and our ancestors' intelligence with a sacrifice that barely cost us anything. We should instead sacrifice something that is, in the first place, a sacrifice to us. In the medieval ages, an ox was a valuable sacrifice because it had a real value. It wasn't cheap if one wanted to buy it, nor was it easy to raise. It took time and required providing the growing calf with food, water, shelter, pasture, protection from predators, illnesses, in order to make, in the 21st century, a sacrifice of a value similar or equal to a value of an ox in medieval ages, we would have to throw into the fire a decent car or several iPhones 11, well, that if those items were edible and could be consumed in a ritual feast. For most of us, the things that have a value similar to a medieval ox are not material goods. Our time, our work, our skills, our creativity or talents, they are nowadays truly priceless. It is our time and work and talents we should be offering to gods when we asking for their blessing or thanking them for their gifts. How to do it? 
how to pray to the Slavic gods, how to implement the faith of our ancestors in the 21st century world, we will discuss it in the next episode. Or, if you want, you can visit our blog at vitya.squarespace.com that's w-i-t-i-a dot squarespace.com and for now uh, thank you very much for listening I hope I wasn't too boring and uh, see you next time Suava <laughs>